Hey, uh, real quick, I want to take a moment. I want to highlight one of those dream teams. And as you heard, Brian doing such a good job promoting Growth Track, and you go there and you learn about the church, but then you also have an opportunity to join a dream team. And one of those dream teams, probably uh, one of the most exciting, from what I understand from the video, is our V Kids team. Let me do this real quick. How many of y'all have children? If you have children, raise your hand real quick. So you're able to enjoy service today because there are dream team members who are not only watching your kids, but they're sharing the Bible with them. They're teaching them the Bible. And so we want to encourage you, if, if that's something that God might be laying on your heart, to join that dream team. I thought it might be cool to actually bring one of the V Kid dream teamers up and just kind of ask them a couple questions and let you guys hear a little bit. So let me invite Brett Town to the stage. Come on, put it together for Brett Town. All right, so uh, start real quick and just kind of introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you. Hi, so I am Brett Town, as Troy said, um, and I have been here in Tennessee for two years. Uh, I get the honor and privilege of being on the V Kids team uh, and serve the elementary team. All right, so why do you serve? Answer for us real quick. Why do you serve and then why V Kids? Well, most importantly, I think, uh, you know, we're called to serve uh, Christ, right? So um, being able to serve for me personally, uh, I get to interact with people that I may not interact on a day-to-day -day basis at church. So I get to meet new people, uh, meet new faces, and get to know all y'all. Uh, as far as being able to serve V-Kids specifically, I loved kids. Um, you know, I have two, three kids of my own, two of them in <laughs> elementary. Whoops, almost. Sorry, Grayson. Um, one of them in, uh, in, in, uh, in the uh, baby section of the uh, V-Kids. Uh, but more so, you know, you get to see these kids and, you know, you get to develop them, right? We get to see the excitement that, that bringing worship brings them or the word brings them or at the end game time. We love to get messy and get it, get it all dirty and we have no problem cleaning it up at the end for your kids. Awesome. All right. So give me one, one more question. Tell me how serving in the church has changed your perspective of V kids and ministry in the church itself. Well, more, most importantly, you know, my two daughters are getting baptized on November 20th, Woo! so I'm super yeah. excited about that. Um, you know, so seeing what not only, you know, my influence with your children has done in their lives, seeing the excitement that, again, worship brings them or, or the word and seeing them get engaged and being in the presence of the Lord, is just, it's just pretty awesome. It's, it's awesome to see, like, that igniting and that fire in them, um, and then it fires me up to, to be the better parent that I can be. Um, but yeah, that's the most important thing, I think. That's what I'm talking about. High five. Yo, put it, put it together one more time for Brett Town. Brett Town. Thank you, sir. Um, as the church continues to grow, it's been exciting. Brian also mentioned about us setting up and tearing down. We moved in our building in April, and we're starting now to get into that season where people from the area are starting to come and check it out. And as the church grows, it's so important for us to keep up with that growth in regards to our Dream Team members. And VKids is one of those important because, as you heard Darla say in the video, background checks, and you got to have the right amount of leaders in there. you got to be able to teach the word, as Brett said, play games and those kind of things. And so I want to encourage you that you would not only go to Growth Track and join a Dream Team, but that you would pray about joining our VKids team, helping us as we minister to not only the adults in this room, but the kids in that room. And so I want to challenge you if you've been coming and you say, you know what, I've just kind of been waiting. Now's the time. Do that for me. Uh, go through Growth Track, join the team because we got a lot coming up over the next couple of months. And I got a lot of vision for you guys in 2023 that I'll be sharing soon. So do that for us. Amen? Amen. So we are, let's do this. How many of you enjoyed our series, Living Room Leaders? Let me hear you. Did you enjoy that series? All right. So we, we have moved into a brand new series called God Doesn't Make Sense. 
And every November, we've done this since we launched the church, every November, uh, we take a couple of weeks and we focus on what the Bible says in regards to God and our finances. Uh, I don't do a lot of talking about it throughout the year. I'll share what your finances are doing as far as in the church and globally and uh, um, locally and different things. And then I'll kind of share, you know, here's how you can give and encourage you to give. But throughout this series, we just take about three or four weeks and we say, hey, let's talk about this. Let's look at what Scripture says. Let's remind ourselves of what Scripture says. And then at the end of this series, we have kind of a a challenge or an action step. And it comes in one of two ways. First of all, for every person that already ties to victory, your action step is what we call purpose prevails. At the end of the year, we always ask you, if you're already a faithful giver of the church, to pray about an end-of-the-year offering. And here's what I say to you, and I'm going to say it again. You pray about it, and if God says to give zero, give zero. It's not a pressure thing. I want you to be a cheerful giver. But if you pray about it, God puts an amount on your heart. We pray that we ask that you would be faithful and give that amount. I'm going to share some testimonies in a couple weeks about those that have, we've done in the past. But last year, we were able to use our Purpose Prevails offering and completely renovate our building when we launched it. How awesome is that, right? And so I'll share more about that, but it's awesome. So, so if you're already a faithful giver, we challenge you to... Uh, to pray about purpose prevails. If you are not a tither, we ask that you would pray about beginning to tithe. And so again, hear that. If you're not a tither and you go, oh, I'm going to give him purpose prevails, don't do that. (laughs) We pray that we ask that you would start praying about being a tither. And so at the end of this series, we'll give you a card that looks like this, and um, you'll be able to kind of fill it out and say, hey, I'm, I'm believing God to to do this and do that. And, and one of the main reasons for this card is because of something we started recently called God's Guarantee. We understand that for a lot of people who are wanting to kind of, you know, you want to start tithing, but there's a, there's a sense of fear there because you might be in a place financially where you don't think you can afford it. Um, there is an actual scripture, you'll hear me read it today, where God says to test him in this concept of finances. And so what happens on this card is this. Um, we as a church tell you that if you want to take this step of faith and give for 90 days, uh, we'll kind of record it, keep up with it, and at the end of those 90 days, if God hasn't sustained you financially, we'll give 100% of that money back to you. Um, it's an opportunity for you to step out in faith without having to really step out in faith. It's an opportunity to step out and see that God is faithful um, without that fear of, well, what's going to happen? So you step out for those 90 days, you faithfully tithe. We, we, again, there's a whole system where we, we follow it for you so that you're not coming like, I tithe a million dollars, I don't know where that money's at. Um, <laughs> But we follow that with you, and then at the end of those 90 days, you say, hey, you know, God did not fulfill that. Then we're able to say, well, here you go. But if you come back and say God was faithful, then guess what? Now you trust God in your finances. And so watch this. Every time that we've done this, every family that's done this to this day, we have never had somebody come back and ask for their money. Come on. How awesome is that, right? It's God's faithfulness. And so, again, just a couple of details that I'll talk about throughout the next couple of weeks. I'll bring that back to you. We'll talk about it through our emails and our online ministry. And we just want to put that in front of you because what I'm hoping for is that after this series is over, you're going to be challenged in the area of trusting God with your finances. And then how do I take that action step? What does that look like? Um, And then those are those steps you can take. Purpose prevails, God's guarantee. And so I think it's going to be an exciting month for us. All of that will come to conclusion the first Sunday of December. I'll share vision for 2023 on that Sunday as we kind of, you know, make those pledges in our hearts. Um, and then we'll go into Christmas at Victory for the next couple of weeks after that. Amen? You excited for the next couple of months? Come on. All right, if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings, you're going to find it in the Old Testament right before 2 Kings. If you're looking for it, that's how numbers work. 1 Kings, right? No, Y'all not laughing with me today? 
Everybody got a cold. Nobody wants to laugh because you don't want to snot all over yourself. It's okay. Um, look, we're going to need y'all to wake up a little bit. All right? I need y'all to be excited with me. First Kings chapter 17. I'm going to start reading from verse 8. I'm going to give you a little bit of context. Uh, the prophet by the name of Elijah, who is currently on the run. God has been feeding him in a famine during, from ravens. He's been actually sending ravens, not the Baltimore ravens, but the actual bird ravens to feed him. And then God gives him a word to go and find his food from a different source. And that's what I want to talk about today is that little part. about It's about six verses that we're going to read. Start reading at verse 8. We'll read to verse 14, and then we'll get into the message today. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. It came to Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath and in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow. That's important. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. So I've been feeding you through ravens, and now I'm going to feed you through this widow. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called out to her, and he asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? Can you just get some water, put it in a jar, and bring it to me so I can have a drink? And as she was going to get it, so she's faithful to get the water, she's going to get the water, he calls out, and he says, Oh, and can you please bring me a piece of bread. While you're getting the water, bring me a piece of bread. She replies, as surely as the Lord your God lives. That's kind of a, she's setting you up for the, the ridiculous explanation of what she's about to say. She's wanting to get your attention. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. You've asked me for bread, but I, I don't have any. And then watch what she says. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little bit of olive oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a few sticks to take home. I'm going to make a meal for myself and my son. Then we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. Wah, wah, right? Like, wow. Elijah's like, you know, chill out, Karen. Good night. Uh, and then Elijah says to her, it's my favorite part. Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said. Thanks, man of God. You know what I mean? Like, go home, eat your food, and die. But then he hits her with this. But first, but first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, that the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. I want to talk to you today from this idea. Faith disguised as finances. Faith disguised as finances. I'll share with you real quick my first experience I ever had with faith and finances. It, depending on how long you've been coming to Victor, you may have heard this story before, but I haven't told it in a couple of years. But it just kind of sets the tone because you have to understand, I, I was saved around that 17, 18-year-old age. That's when I first met Christ or first experienced Christ or first asked Christ to come into my heart and to be my Savior. But then it was a, it was a long journey of sanctification from that process. And there was a lot of moments where I was learning in my faith as a Christian. And for, for a long time, I don't necessarily remember how long, but at least years, I was a church-attending, Jesus-believing Christian that didn't give any money to the church. Uh, I was young. I think I worked at Sears, I think it might have been, you know, in the shoe department, making a big, like, $7.50 an hour, you know, whatever. I was banked. 
Um, and so I lived with my parents. It was, a, it was a learning process for me. I was new to, to Christianity. I was new to that concept. I was, I was in a church that the auditorium seat 2,500 people. And so I was kind of trying to understand, like, I can't afford Chick-fil-A, and you've got this building. What are you talking to me about? Fin- I should be asking you for finances. You know what I mean? I was real confused by the process. And so it was very, it was very common for me to go to church every Sunday. And in, in our church in that day, passed the offering bags. Y'all remember those offering bags, little velvet bags with the two handles? They'd pass them through, and I had no problem. I wouldn't even touch it. I'd be like, you can just, you can pass it to them. You can just go right past me. It was no problem. And then one Sunday, the pastor's getting ready to preach, and he shared a little bit about finances before he preached. And, and I didn't know what it was then. Now, you know, years later as a believer, I can tell you it was the Holy Spirit. But in that moment, I didn't have any idea what was happening in me But something in me said, you need to give some money to the offering. And so I was like, oh, goodness, okay. So I started thinking I had some cash on me. And so I said, I know what I'll do. I'll give $5, right, because I can give something, but it doesn't really have to impact me. They don't have to change my, my concept for the next week, but I can give something. So I pulled my wallet out, opened up my wallet, and there were two $20 bills. That's what I had in my wallet. That's all I had, 40 bucks, two $20 bills. And I went, stink. <laughs> Probably didn't say that word back then. I was barely saved. But I was like, man, I, you know, I, I, what am I going to do? I, I, have to, I have to give him at least $20. And that's half of what I have. And so, you know, I'm seeing the offering bags getting closer and closer. And I'm having this whole debate in my head. Like, I don't know, is it you, God? Or is that the devil telling me to give you money? Like, I don't really know what's happening. You know, I'm fighting it. And as the offering bags getting closer and closer, then all of a sudden I feel something else tell me, no, no, give it all. And I'm like, what's wrong with you, Troy? Like, you're losing your mind. Like, don't give. This is all you got. And so I'm fighting with it. I'm fighting with it. And the bag's getting closer and closer. And I didn't know what to do. And I just grabbed the $40 and put it in the basket. And I put my wallet back in my pocket. And I was sitting down in the chair. I was like, oh, oh, like breathing, hearts beating fast, you know. And as that bag's going, I've never been more angry in my life. <laughs> I was just like, this, that's my whole week right there, going down the aisle. I was so mad that the entire service that the sermon preached, I couldn't, I, I couldn't hear one word of the sermon. All I was thinking about was, I can't believe I gave up my money. Like, that's all I could think about. Now, let me pause there to give you a little bit of context. A few days before that, I had spent a lot of money. I couldn't remember how much but a lot of money at a store called Burlington Coat Factory that we had in Memphis, Tennessee. And I had gone in and bought a lot of clothes, uh, but I'm one of those prideful guys that don't try anything on. I just buy it, then get home and get disappointed. You know what I mean? And so I got home, tried it all on. None of it fit. And I was like, now i got to take it all back. So I took it back up to Burlington Coat Factory on Saturday, and they said, where's the receipt? I said, I don't have the receipt. They said, then you can't return it. I said, what about store credit? They said, we don't do that here. It's like, great. So now I'm stuck with all these clothes I can't wear. So I go home. I search everywhere for this receipt. For days, I'm searching for this receipt, and I cannot find it. Okay, that's important for you to know. Rewind back. I'm leaving church that day. My routine when I left church was to go to my Mazda, open the back door, put my Bible in the back seat, close my back door, get in my car, and leave. This time I go, I open the back door, I put my Bible in the back seat, and as I'm going to put my Bible in the back seat, I see something in the seat. I'm like, what is that? So I reach for it. I pick it up. It is the receipt to Burlington Coat Factory, okay? I had looked for this thing for days. I'm telling you, it wasn't in my car seat. I'm just telling you. This was the third miracle God had ever performed. He turned water into wine. He made Peter walk on water. He made a receipt appear in my seat, all right? That's what happened. So I took the receipt. I went back to Burlington Coat Factory. I returned the clothes, and I walked out of there with $83 in cash. In case you're not good at math, 
that's double of what I gave God. Now, I don't say that so that you would go, hey, anything you give to God, you're going to get double out of, and you just need to walk in that. Uh, a lot of times, it don't work that way at all. I'm just introducing you to my first experience with God and finances. And what was at the root of that experience was faith. And that's what I really want you to see today, is that I believe that our finances are really just faith disguised. Let me give you some stats real quick. A recent study done by Barna said that 17% of adults claim to tithe, while actually 3% actually do. So in, in believing Christians, practicing Christians, adults that can give 3% across the United States tithe, that same study went on to say that the average donation by an attending adult to a U.S. church was $17 per week. That that was the average donation going. Now, obviously, that's averaged out from people who are actually tithing to people who are giving nothing, and it averages down to $17 per week. And here was the most interesting thing to me. If members of Christian churches in the U.S. had raised their giving to 10% of their income, which is the tithe concept, an additional $139 billion a year would become available. Isn't that crazy? For, for ministry... Oh, the world, world's coming apart. That's the Lord trying to tell you $139 billion right there. That's what he's trying to get you to understand. But you imagine all the ministry that could happen. Think about the partners that we partner with from the food bank to the YMCA to Men of Valor. All the money that could go to help people. All right? Here's what you got to understand. Is that it's God's plan for God's people to provide for the house of God. Did you catch that? It's God's plan for the people of God to provide for the house of God. That's the plan that's been set in place since the beginning of Scripture, that the people of God, it's not the people who don't know Jesus. We're not relying on the people who don't know God to provide for the house of God. It's the people of God to provide for the house of God. When we obey God in the principle of tithes and offerings, our families are blessed, and the church is able to be a blessing. When, when we give our tithes and offerings, our families are blessed. I'm going to show you bits of this. But along with that, the church is able to be a blessing. Let me just show you a couple of things. I, I try every Sunday to share with you a few things that we've done as a church outside of the four walls or inside of the four walls to be able to say, man, thank you for those that give financially. Here's what God's been able to do. Let me just share a couple of them with you. First of all, you're setting in one of those things. We were able to take property of this building because of the people who give faithfully. Come on. Can we put our hands together for that? Now, look, for some of you, You've only been coming to Victory since we had this building. So you're like, ah, whatever. But for those of us that were setting up every Friday night, that was our Friday night to set up church. And Sunday afternoon, we tore down church. And then we had nowhere. To, our youth ministry couldn't meet during the week. And our worship team couldn't practice during the week. And now because of people's faithfulness in giving, we're able to be in this building. And here's my favorite part about it. We are in a community where we're able to be Jesus to the community. I'm talking to people all the time who are going, I'm so glad that there's a church near where we live now. And that's what we're here for, to be able to come alongside Antioch and make an impact for Jesus. You heard Brett talk about, or Brian talked about, six baptisms in a couple of weeks. That's able to happen. Lives being changed. Kids, entered, or, or kids accepting Christ into their heart. It's happening because we can turn the lights on, because we can unlock the door, because of the people who have given faithfully to the church. Last Christmas, we teamed up with the YMCA 
We provided 20 families Christmas Families that were in the domestic abuse center that's in Murfreesboro. We provided 20 families Christmas because of the faithful giving of the people of this church. This year, I think we should do 40. That's what I'm believing for, 40 this year. It's amazing. I got so many exciting things that we're going to do with that ministry next year. We're going to have a serve day where we renovate. I'll get to that later. That's in December. I get excited. I get, get distracted. Katie Carter is building a, a student center, a youth center right now in Costa Rica. And we're able to partner with her with that because of the faithfulness of the people of this church. Scott Horde, one of our local missionaries, he has now saved over 400 babies. Come on, we got to be excited about that. We got to be excited about that. 400 babies. Next year, we'll be linking up with Empowerment Incorporated in the month of March, and we're going to start focusing on literacy in the local schools, and we're finding ways that we can go into some of the local schools for National Reading Day, how we can provide books. Listen, these are just a few things that we're doing, church, because of the people who have trusted God with their finances through tithes and offerings. Can you imagine how much more we could do? Amen? Now, here's what, here's what you got to understand. God being the Lord over our finances has never been about financially supporting him, okay? Don't get it twisted. God being over our finances is not us financially supporting him. It's all about growing our faith in him. But God is so amazing, he does both at the same time. So as we give, he takes our money and he uses it to impact other people through the church, but at the same time, he's building our faith in the process. Every time, every time in the Bible, that Jesus talked about money or numbers. Think about it. The feeding of the 5,000, the miracle of turning uh, water into wine in Cana, uh, the miraculous catching of fish where, where Peter caught nothing, and then he caught so much that his, his net was filling. All of these stories, every one of them, the result was building the faith of the believer. Every time that Jesus talked about finances or numbers, it resulted in the believer's faith being stronger. That's why I believe, and that's why I want you to understand that our finances are really just faith disguised. So let me give you a couple of thoughts. Number one is this. It takes faith to give first. It, it, it takes faith in us to give first. Let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 17, and I want to show you again what Elijah said. Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Go home. Do as you said. But what? But first, right? Don't be afraid. Go home. Do as you said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me and what you have and bring it to me. Watch this. And then make something for yourself and your son. So first, do this. And then this will happen. There's a biblical principle happening in 1 Kings chapter 17 where he tells the widow, first, give to me. And then you're going to be able to give to you and your son. There's going to be a result in you first. But our first takes the most faith. What we do first always takes the most faith. I'll give you some examples. Do you remember the first time you went to school? Y'all remember that? The very first time that you walked into school? Like, like that's when it took the most faith because you've never done it before. Remember the first time? The very first time that you ever had to apply for a job, that's when you needed the most faith because you've never done it before. Those of you that own houses, do you remember the first time you bought a house? Here, here's one. 
those of you that have kids, do you remember the first time you found out you were going to have a kid? Right? Do you remember that conversation you had where it was like you decided you were going to start trying? And all of a sudden you had to come into agreement that we're going to do this? Like it was scary. Here, I saved my best one for last. Do you remember the first time you talked to the opposite sex on the phone? <laughs> Y'all remember that? I'm figuring out the age group we got going in here. Like I remember the, you know, the first time you liked a girl or you liked the guy in school and you got their phone number and it was a big deal because you went all out of your way to get your phone number and you got home and you got the rotary phone, right? Remember that? <laughs> and you were like, seven, five, three, right? And you were scared. I don't know about y'all, but I remember the phone's ringing and you're scared to death. Right? You're just wait. You don't even really remember how the person sounds because everybody's got that pre-puberty voice, you know, going on. And it's like, hi, I was wondering if Amanda's home. You know, like you got that voice. Like it's so scary when they first say hello. It, like it was scary to us because any time that we're doing something for the first time, it takes faith. First, always takes faith. Second, less faith. Third, less faith. Fourth, less faith. But first, always takes faith. This is one of the reasons why I think God even brought up the concept of tithe. Because he understood that it's the first that calls for faith. Let me give a little bit of education real quick. That word tithe means first, tenth portion. That, that's what that word means. So to break it down for us in our, in our day, it would be the idea of taking our income and the first 10% of our income, that would be our tithe. The, the verb form of that word is the act of bringing the first tenth to the church. Because, again, everything that we have, God's given us. So we're not giving God something. We're bringing it back to God, right? It was the funding mechanism for the Old Testament. The funding mechanism for the temple, the tabernacle, and the church in the New Testament. That's the concept of tithe. Now, here's why. I wanted to talk to you about it from the concept of 1 Kings chapter 17. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to just put me in this picture. I would often approach the idea of trusting God with my finances the way I would have approached this scenario in 1 Kings chapter 17. It would have been this kind of deal. God, if you've got everything, why are you asking me for something? Right? If you've got everything, then why are you asking something from me and I've got nothing? You see my position, and yet you're asking for a percentage, right? Th think about this moment between this woman and the prophet Elijah. A prophet in that day was someone who was coming with the words of God. They were a representation of God. So the conversation between the widow and the prophet is symbolic of a conversation between you and I and God. God says, first give me that, then you will be blessed. And I think our argument is fair. You say, God, wait a minute. I'm struggling over here. I can barely survive. And you're asking me for something? If you're God, why don't you just make money appear? Right? How come money doesn't just grow on trees? Like, what is this whole idea of you asking me for a percentage when you see my position? Here's ultimately what I'm trying to say. It, it would make more sense to all of us for God to answer her need and then ask out of her abundance. Am I right? I don't think any of us would argue with that, that it would make a lot more sense to us 
for God to say, hey, I'm going to bless you with a lot of flour and a lot of oil. And then after I bless you with a lot of flour and a lot of oil, I want you to then make me some bread out of what I've blessed you with. That, that makes a lot of sense to all of us, right? Like, God, yeah, why don't you just bless me and then I'll turn around and give to you out of that blessing. Well, number one, I'm not going to go big on this, but let's be honest. If we're not giving God out of the little that we have, the chances of us giving something to God out of more is just slim, right? But here's the real reason. The real reason is there's no faith in that. There's no faith in you giving God out of abundance. It's faith when we give God first and then trust God to provide. Tithe is evidence of faith. It takes no faith to give the leftovers after we know how everything's going to turn out, right? There's no faith in that. It takes faith to give God before we know how everything's going to turn out. If I know how it's all going to turn out, it's fake faith. But if I'm doing it, trusting God to provide, it's real faith. Now, now listen to it like this. Long before money was paper and, and green, I don't even know that it's really green anymore, but, but before it looked in that form, money was like fruits and vegetables, which is ultimately where you get this biblical concept of first fruits. So here's what would happen, all right? Try to put yourself in this scenario. Your income, your paycheck, is in the form of fruits and vegetables. And so as you are growing these things, the harvest comes in, you're going to turn around and sell them, make money, or you're going to use them to feed your family. So that's your income. And so what would happen is this first harvest would come, and the farmer has two choices. The farmer can trust the weather. He can trust the, the rain. He can trust his ability to be able to store and meal plan correctly. Or he can take the first harvest of his fruits, uh, give them as an offering to God, and then trust God in the process of the future harvesting. Does that make sense? Have I lost anybody on that? I can either trust my ability to harvest, I can trust the weather, which is very untrustworthy, or I can honor God with the first fruits and then trust God for my harvest. It's the same thing with our finances, church. We get our check, and we can either trust our ability to meal plan right? Our ability to budget. We, we can trust uh, uh, that our tires won't uh, need to be changed this month or that our car won't mess up this month. We can just trust the way things go and hope that we have enough to make it. Or we can honor God with the first, the tithe, and then we can trust God to protect the rest. Does that make sense? It, that was the principle back in the Bible day, but it was with fruits. It's the same principle today, but it's cash. The idea that you and I would get a check. I don't know about you. This happens to me all the time where I go, man, babe, we got some money. And then all of a sudden something happens. You know what I mean? All of a sudden your, your battery goes dead and there's $200 for the battery, right? All of a sudden your kids need something at school and that's $3,000 for them to get some candy at a trick or treat or whatever. And before you know it, the money that you thought you had is gone. Instead of being able to honor God with those finances first and then being able to say, all right, God, it's up to you. Help me and guide me through this. On November 16th and November 30th, those are both Wednesday nights, we're going to offer a finance class here just those two nights, November 16th, 
the whole class is one night, and then it's not two parts, it's two different nights. You can attend the 16th or the 30th. We'll talk through kind of basics, basic budgeting and those kind of things. Just if, if you say, hey, you know, I've never really had those conversations. I'm curious. We're trying to do our best to provide that for you to be able to help you. So November 16th, Wednesday night, November 30th, Wednesday night, you can register for that at the Welcome Center so that we know you're going to be there, and I think it's going to be powerful for some of you. It's important. But all of this to say, all of this is a lot of detail. A lot of it's a, it's a, it's a lot of for you might to process, but I say all this for you to understand this. Everything that God asks from us is to reveal to us how good he is. Everything that God asks from us is to reveal to us how good that God is. God doesn't need our pennies, but we need his perspective. The concept of tithing and faithful giving is really have nothing to do with this idea of God needs the money, but it's way more about, God, I need your perspective. I need my faith to grow in you. Every tither that I know, and I think that tithers would admit this about tithers they know, every tithers I know, every tither that I know, their testimony is I'm blessed. Every person that doesn't tithe that I know, their testimony is I can't afford to tithe. It's always how it operates. That's the same testimony. God is waiting, he's waiting and ready, willing to provide all of heaven to help us if we'll just step out in faith and begin. Amen? So what we do first takes the most faith. Second is this, it takes his word for us to have faith. To give first takes faith, but in order to have faith, we got to have his word. So let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 17 for a second, and again, watch what Elijah says. He says, for this is what the Lord of God, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away, and she did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah, for the woman, for her family. And here's my favorite part. For the jar of the flour, a jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord. In other words, just like the word of God said. Elijah said the word of God. Here's what the word of God says. And then it happened exactly the way that the word of God says. Anytime it comes to your finances, listen to me. Do not stand on what Troy says. Do not stand on a process because you can't take what Troy said to God. But you can take what God said to God. So stand on what God said. Elijah doesn't just ask her to have faith and to put her faith in him in a process. He asks her to put her faith in God's word. That's what he says. In the Bible, there are over 500 verses on the subject of prayer. There are also nearly 500 verses on the subject of faith, but there are more than 2,000 verses on the subject of money and possessions. Think about that. Out of Jesus' 38 parables, 16 of them are about money. Why? Why would this be? What, what's the idea here? The idea here is that Jesus understands that you and I can use our finances to build our faith so that we can operate more, more in the presence of God. The word of God initiates faith. 
So I don't have time to give you all 2,000 verses, but I'm going to give you four real quick. I'm going to give you two from the Old Testament, two from the New Testament. Because I know sometimes people go back and forth on what the Old Testament says, the New Testament says. So I'm going to give you two from the New, two from the Old, all right? Just stuff for you to take with you, for you to lean on. Uh, it'll be on the app in our sermon notes. But here we go. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 through 10 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. There's the first fruit thing we talked about. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I don't know if you caught this. It's the same principle in 1 Kings chapter 17. Did you catch it? Honor God with your first fruits and then your barns. It's the same principle of 1 Kings 17. Make me a sandwich and then go make your, you and your son a sandwich. It's the same principle. Proverbs 3, it's an Old Testament, 1 Kings. All right, give me that next I think this is Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. A lot of y'all know this one. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Here is where God says, test me in this. It's the only time that God says to test him, and that's in finances. That's why we do God's guarantee. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That's what God says. It's not what I say. So you can take that to God. Don't ever take, well, Troy said we should. No, no, take what God said, all right? Now watch this, next verse. Oh, I'm sorry, the rest of Malachi, this is important, sorry. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and then the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Last year when we did this kind of series, I talked about how God not only provides for us, but he helps protect us in these processes, and that's what, that, that's what that's talking about. All right, hit us with the next one. 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19, command those who are rich in the present world, just so you know, you are rich in the present world, all right? You are richer than like 70% of the world, uh, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Don't put your hope in your money and your paycheck, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take a hold of the life that is truly life. Last but not least is a verse in Luke that you're probably going to be pretty familiar with. It says, give, and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure that you use to give is what will be measured to you. The word of God is what initiates our faith, church. If we're ever looking for something to build our faith, it has to be the Word of God. Matter of fact, the Word of God says this. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word. So as we're reading those verses, that's why I show you that. It's important for you to understand that I'm not asking you to do something based off me. Please understand that. I'm asking you to read the Word of God and to see what God says about it and then to walk into it and to experience the promises of God. I preached a whole series last year on the promises of God. And, the, and there are financial promises when we allow God to, when we honor God with our finances. There's a family that last year during this series, after it was over, they said, we want to start committing to tithing. And they shared a testimony I could share with you. I want to read it to you real quick. You had that testimony up there for me? If not, I'm in trouble because I'll never remember it. Huh? No? Okay, I can try to remember it. All right. So this, this couple, married couple, 
they, they, they started off the testimony. It's pretty cool. Started off the testimony. He said, we were really skeptical at first, <laughs> which everybody is, right? And he said, but we made this commitment that we were going to tithe. And he said, when we started to make that commitment, he said, I had this current job. He said he was making $15 an hour and that that amount wasn't even really enough to live. And so they started tithing and they kept tithing anyway. And so he ended up getting this phone call from somebody at the church about a job offer. And he reached out to the job offer and he had a really good interview. But he had had another job interview before that that, that they'd kind of strung him along. So he was getting kind of, you know, discouraged by it. So he goes to this other interview that the person from church told him about. And he felt like he had a good interview. And on his way home, he's like, I'm expecting them to call me in a little bit, maybe a couple days. And he said they called him back before he got home. And they told him, we want you, we want you for the job. And so they were going to start discussing pay. And he says in the testimony, he said, I, I was thinking about, you know, $17 would be nice. So maybe if I shot higher than $17 and they worked their way down, we'd get to $17. That's a $2 uh, you know, an hour raise. That'll be huge for our family. And so he starts talking. He says, I'm, I'm going to step out in faith. And he said, I'm just going to say, how about $20 an hour? And he said, the guy talking to him said, how about $22? And we're like, woo, is right. That's a $7 an hour raise, guys. He got that job. And he, in his testimony, in his words, believes it's because he started trusting God with his finances. He put a little tag on the end of it I thought was so good. He, he, said, he said he acted all professional on the phone, you know, like, thank you, sir. So, yeah, I would love to, I'd love to work for you guys. And he said as soon as the phone, he just started jumping up and down and screaming, ah, so excited. Sometimes it's the little things, though. He said that, uh, so they continued to tithe, continued to tithe, and. They were talking one day how they wanted a new TV. But, you know, they're expensive. They wanted this, like, big 65-inch TV, and they were like, he, you know, well, we'll have to save up for it. And he was telling his wife, he was like, well, we tied, so, you know, you never know what God might do. He said a couple days later, his neighbor calls him and says, hey, you guys want this TV by any chance? 65-inch gaming TV. That's what I'm talking about. I believe that God wants to do great things that lead to people being saved and transformed. But it starts with our ability to have faith, step out, to trust in his word, to stand on his word. Listen to me. Anytime that God asks for something from you, God is trying to get something to you. Anytime that God asks something from you, He's trying to get something to you. Why does God want me to pray? He's trying to get something to you. Why does God want me to read his word? He's trying to get something to you. Why does God want me to trust him with my finances? He's trying to get something to you. Why does God want me to go to church? He's trying to get something to you. Why does God want me to serve in church? What did Brett just say? God got something to me. I have a whole different perspective on my kids and the ministry. Why? Because God is good. Everything about God is good, and any time that he asks something from you, it's never because he wants you to do without. It's because he's got something he wants to get to you. I remember there was this picture on Facebook. I saw it years ago, and it was Jesus, cartoon Jesus. And uh, I'm trying to remember, oh, how I saw it exactly. Oh, oh, it was a little girl with a little stuffed animal. 
And Jesus had his hand like this, asking for her for the stuffed animal. And you see the little girl clenching it tight. She want to give it. But you can see in the picture behind Jesus' back, and he has a teddy bear that's like three times the size. And he's holding it like this. And I just think that's such a great picture. Because, like I said, it would all make sense to us for God to say, hey, I'm going to give you this. Just give me that. That makes sense. But there's no faith in that. So God says, I have something back here for you. But will you trust me? Will you step out in faith? And when you do that, you'll find out that I've got something great for you. Not necessarily financially. Oh, man, if I start tithing, God's going to bless me with a bitly. He might tell you to give your car away. Chill out on that. I don't know what God's going to do. But it's a journey, church. It's a journey. And here's what I'm learning. And I read this in a book the other day, and, I, and I, I, it was everything for me. That my, my faith, my faith as I move forward can only be revealed as I look in reverse. And I'm telling you right now, there's been so many times where God has done great things in my life that I didn't realize until I looked back. And so maybe it's for that. So let me show you this, and, and I'll close. I'm reading 1 Kings 17. And the thing that got me was Elijah's already being fed by ravens. So God doesn't even need this woman's food, right? Like God's clearly got what he needs happening through ravens. Why would he tell Elijah to go to this woman? Why mess up the flow? The only thing I could come around to was the only reason God would ask that and move Elijah to this woman is he must have something for the woman, right? Because if God has something from us, he's trying to get something to us. So for God to stop the ravens from feeding Elijah and send Elijah to this widow, it's not that he has something for Elijah. Elijah's blessing didn't change. Did you see it? What he was getting from the ravens, he got from the widow. Nothing changed for Elijah, but something happened to the woman. And I kept reading. And watch this. 1 Kings 17, verse 17. Watch this. Some time later. Everybody say, sometime later. Say it. Sometime later. Sometime later. She was faithfully given to God. She was faithfully given. And sometime later, the son of the woman, same woman who owned the house, became sick. He grew worse and worse, and he finally stopped breathing. Sometime later, her son died, and she goes to Elijah. What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Hey, here's what that verse means. In that moment, she believes in God, but it's not her God. It's Elijah's God. She's wrapped up in her sin, right? Watch this. And then she gives her son to Elijah. Here was the first thought I had. If she doesn't give Elijah the bread, if she doesn't trust Elijah with the bread, do you think she trusts him with her boy? If she doesn't give the sandwich to Elijah, does she give her son to him? 
Is it possible that God was building her faith because he knew something was going to happen where she was going to need a level of faith for her to trust God? So God said, I got to send Elijah now. Stop letting the birds feed you. You got to go find a widow. Why? Because she's got food for me? No, because she needs greater faith. I got to send somebody to her. Because right now her faith is low because I'm not her God. I'm God, but I'm not her God. And there's going to be something that happens in her life, and i got to make myself real to her. And so you get to her, and you ask her for something that she doesn't even have. God, why would I do that? Why do I ask? Because it's going to take faith. For her to give it to you. And that little bit of faith. When all of a sudden she sees that you eat and she eats. Do you notice it said her family ate? Which means not only did the boy eat. (laughs) She fed family members she wasn't even thinking about before. God fulfilled her and built her faith. And now her son's dead. And now she takes her son to Elijah. In the Bible, Elijah heals her son. Through God, God heals him through Elijah. Elijah lays on him face to face. Not in the COVID world, but. She puts her faith in God. I was praying this morning, and the Lord smacked me upside my head with this thought. He said, remember when you were 18 and I asked you for $40? He said, that was that was so 14 years later when you to move your family your faith Your faith would be big enough to say yes to this because you started saying yes to this. So listen to me. For every person that has this bad taste in their mouth about tithing, you've got it all wrong. It's not about your money. It's about your faith. And what God is using and trying to use now to build your faith is prepping you for something bigger down the road. And if you can't trust him for money, you can't trust him with a miracle. Everybody stand with me for a second, man. I'm going to invite you up. everything that God does he does to reveal how good he is everything he asks from you is so he can get something to you and the greatest moments in your life 
are going to come from moments where you stepped out in faith. I was talking to a friend of mine about this sermon. And he said, isn't it funny that God uses the thing that honestly means the littlest to him? The Bible says that we'll walk on streets of gold in heaven. So what we consider valuable here, people walk on there. You know what I mean? Like God's ability, the Bible says he owns a, a cat on a thousand heels, which means God will get the money if he needs to get the money. We've all heard stories of families who needed something and somebody knocked on the door and said, I was just told to give you. The, like God's got money. But I think it's interesting that he uses what's the littlest to him because he knows it's the most to us. Not because we're bad people and lovers of money, but because we live in a culture where we have to have it. And if we don't have it, we don't eat. And if we don't have it, we don't live, right? So there's a fear connected to it. Again, it's not because we're in love. I understand the Bible says the root of evil is the love of money. I understand it. But for most of us, it's not a love for money. It's a fear that if I don't have it, how will I live? And God is trying to break fear. And he puts together this process to build faith in us so that if we're faithful with bread, there might be a day where he wants us to pray for the healing of a boy. And if our faith was built by bread, our faith is ready for that prayer. I'm going to ask my prayer team to come up for a second. I'm going to pray. But then I just want to encourage you, if you've got prayer for anything, any situation, I know it's more of a financial message, but it's also a faith message. And if you've got something in here that you need faith for, you're struggling with and you need God, what an opportunity. Don't leave here without being prayed for. Amen? Father, I thank you right now for your word, for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the idea that you're building our faith, that it's the little things now that are setting us up for the big things later. God, we give you praise and we give you glory. You're holy. You're all those things. And we just want to know you more. Pray for every person in this room right now you'd be speaking to their heart. For every person that needs prayer that they would come down and receive that prayer. For the individual that's never accepted you in their heart that they would say, Jesus, would you be my Savior? For the person that you're speaking to right now about finances. To the person you're speaking to right now about health. To the person you're speaking to right now about pain, depression, anxiety. You are real, God. And you are good. So let today be the first step of building our faith. Come on, let's begin to worship. And I want to invite anybody who wants prayer. Come on now. Let's just begin to worship God. Endless praise. Hallelujah, Father. We worship you, Jesus. You're still the same God today, yesterday, and forever. The same God that was there for the widow is there for us today. The same God that healed the boy is solving problems today. Call us out of our lack of faithfulness and let us trust you more, Jesus. Build our trustworthiness in Jesus' name I pray.